right. Come on with that low end, right? Um, yeah, I was telling first experience this morning. When I, uh, when I was 16, when I uh, started driving, it was popular to have two kinds of vehicles uh, at the school that I grew up in. It was one that you could hear coming from two miles away from one of two reasons. Either the, either the, the pipes were loud or you vibrated windows all the way through town, right? Uh, and I know that we've probably got folks who had the loud pipes. Come on, anybody had the loud vehicles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who had the sound system? Who had, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. We had a kid in our school. Man, you could hear him coming from like four miles down the road. It was, I mean, it would just, your ears would begin to rattle. You're just like, man, a lot of, what, there he comes, there he comes. Was, uh, man, I'm glad you're here today. Go ahead and pull out your notes. We're in a series We've called Long Story Short. I do want to remind you that today, as, you, uh, as you've entered and as you're dismissed today, you'll see a table in the lobby that uh, points you to all of the small groups that are happening this summer. And I do believe this with all of my heart. Listen, this is great. While we get to do this every Sunday, and while worship is incredible, and uh, church on Sundays is incredible, life change doesn't happen in pews. It happens in circles. It happens in community. And I believe uh, if, if it's awesome, welcome. I'm hoping that you're a part of what we get to do here every Sunday. But if all you do is this on Sundays, you're missing the fullness of what God can really do in your life through community. So I want to encourage you to plug in. Come on, get into a small group. If you go to a weird one, just don't go back, okay? Go to a different one uh, the next time. Ain't no shame in that game, I promise. We've all been there, all right? Like plug in, find a community of people that you can do life with this summer, okay? All right, pull out your notes. Let's read our theme verse together. It's huge. Why, why do we do this? Here's why long story short. Because we believe what the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that all scripture, everybody say all, one, two, three. All. Oh, that's a great word in the Greek language. It's so good. You know what it means? All. Everything. All of it. Every period, every comma, every single bit of it is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare us and equip us people to do every good work. We believe that every ounce of Scripture matters. And y'all, that's, that's true for every story. And so we know that most of us have heard stories in the Bible. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard some story like Jonah and the whale and Moses uh, parting the Red Sea and Israel walking across on dry land. You've heard the stories of Adam and Eve. In the New Testament, you've heard of Jesus walking on the water, raising probably Lazarus from the dead. All of these incredible, big, giant stories. And the truth is, there's, there's the same power in a lot of things that maybe you haven't heard of. Uh, there's little stories all throughout Scripture that many people just haven't heard that God still uses to mold us and shape us and correct us and guide us and lead us. And, and so week one, we talked about a man named Jabez, and we talked about a little bitty snippet. It's a two-sentence little snippet in the Bible, in the most unpopular book in the Bible, and probably the most unpopular section of that most unpopular book, because you've got to roll through about 44 different hard-to-read-and-pronounce names 
seams before you ever get to that little spot. And if you're like me, listen, it's okay. By the time you get to about seven of those names and you have done it wrong or can't seem to figure it out, most people just fast forward on through, <laughs> right? Like, you just get on through and say, all right, Lord, I'm just going to trust you with whatever is in there because it, it wasn't working. But we miss those little snippets when we do things like that. And talks about Jabez who had a horrible beginning. Life wasn't good. He prayed a pretty significant, simple, but powerful prayer, and it changed his life. God, the, the, the cool thing about that passage is God granted his request. God said yes to his request, and we talked about the power of God and the simplicity of just trusting him through every circumstance. We've talked about scenarios and snippets of scripture, little bitty pockets. Last, last week, we talked about the book of Philemon. A little bitty, smallest book in the Bible, 25 verses. And we see the power of God through relationship and how to be restored and how to restore people in our lives in a way that honors God. That God, if we allow him, God can restore our relationships to pretty incredible situations. We see uh, this little guy named Onesimus who, whose life was pretty much ruined because of some decisions that he had made and circumstances and because of one person's grace over his life. History tells us he went from a thief and a, and a runaway and, uh, and somebody who was, who was sure to be put to death to the bishop over an entire church, over an entire region. Because of grace and forgiveness. And it makes a big difference in our faith journey when we don't overlook every ounce of what God's doing through Scripture. And so today, the title of your message is A Pit, A Plague, and a Prayer. A Pit, A Plague, and a Prayer. We're talking about a guy named Korah. During their time in the wilderness, it wasn't uncommon for the Israelites to complain. Come on, anybody been there? Huh? Uh, during your time, like, it wasn't uncommon for them to, like, forget of God's goodness. And uh, in this particular day, in Numbers chapter 16, you see a man named Korah who led two of his friends and 250 top leaders to rebel against Moses and Aaron. He was jealous of leadership. He was jealous that Moses and Aaron were able to call the shots and had opportunity that he didn't seem to have. And he argued that everyone was equal and should have all the same position that they had. Like he was all then. Like why are you calling the shots? Got mad, got angry. So Moses pushed back a little bit. And listen, I'm going to show you. Uh, you can read in Scripture. There's a couple of times that something like this happens in Scripture. One is in 1 Kings chapter 18. And Elijah is being uh, combated by prophets of Baal. And they thought, they were right and he was wrong and Elijah said okay well if I'm right and you're wrong let's all get together let's pray let's see who's right or wrong you go pray to your God I'll pray to my God and whichever one responds that's who God is right uh, that same kind of thing they, they prayed Elijah prayed fire came down from heaven 800 people who thought they were right and he was wrong all died that day right um, same kind of thing happened with Moses like anytime in the Bible where you questioned authority like that in the Old Testament it, typically, it just typically didn't end well. You know what I'm saying? And so they did that. They questioned him. It was an uprising of authority. And Moses said, okay, let's decide who God has chosen. And I can hear Moses now going, I didn't even want this job. 
<laughs> like, you remember Moses in the old, he's like, I didn't even want to do this. I told God I didn't even want this job, and he sent Aaron to go with me. And now you're questioning anything God wants to do. Let's just go ask God himself. Anybody had like that way with a sibling? Like, Mom put me in charge. No, he, no she didn't. I didn't even want this job. Let's go ask Mom, right? Like, that's what Moses was doing. And it says that they all came together that day. And the Bible says when they began to seek God's advice in that moment, it says that the earth opened up swallowed Korah and all of the people that have followed with him and closed back together. Don't y'all know that anybody that was standing on the fence of whether or not they would trust Moses of Korah made a quick decision that day? Hey, I don't think that was... uh, They were standing, like, this is Korah's side and that's Moses, and everybody was like... I'm going to go ahead and... they, They found themselves just sliding over to the other side... Because that's what, like, they, it was a definitive answer that God is the authority in this circumstance and in this situation. And it made all of the difference in when they were moving forward that from that place. It's weird that, that, the, that the people of Israel had easily, so quickly forgotten all of the things that they had prayed for. Has anybody ever gotten, found yourselves in a circumstance or a situation that you prayed for? Only to realize, man, I asked for this, and it is not good. Like, I got the raise. I got more money, but it came with crazy people. <laughs> like, 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 all of a sudden, I can't handle the people that I'm. I wanted this position, but now I can't handle. And the, and the Lord, like, that's, all, that's a biblical principle. Like, Israel wanted a king, and God's like, you don't want a king. I'm your king. I promise you don't want to deal with people. They're crazy. And, and they were, like, insistent. They got the king, and it was a royal disaster. Right? Like, oftentimes, we find ourselves in circumstances that didn't turn out like we thought they would. And, and in those moments, we, we find ourselves often questioning God's authority in the process. And so today, I want to walk through, I think, three steps that can help us when we find ourselves in these moments, right? In these wilderness moments. Really, it's all about some perspective, okay? So I want to walk us through. We're going to pray, and we're going to dive into today's word. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. It's alive and breathing. John chapter 1 reminds us that the word became flesh and walked among us. That nothing was created except by him, by Jesus and, and all of it. Every ounce of the word of God is for us. And so today I pray as we open your word that you speak to us in the seasons of life that we find ourselves in. That you would get the honor, that you would get the glory, and God, you would align us back to your will in our lives. You'll get honor for it in Jesus' name. Come on, we all said it. Amen. Number one, write this down. Write this down. Your attitude. Attitude. I believe God, if he's going to give us a heart check, I think it begins with our attitude. We see there was an attitude issue in Numbers chapter 16. It says this in verse 3 uh, and verse 13. It says, the whole community of Israel had been set apart by the Lord. He's with all of us. What right do you have to act as if you're greater than the rest of the Lord's people? They're, they're arguing. They're complaining. This was Korah's complaint against Moses. Who do you think you are? And Moses wasn't trying to act better than or, or, or greater than. He was just doing what God had called them to do. They were leading people. And then I love verse 13. Isn't it enough that you brought us out of Egypt, a land, listen to this, a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us here in this wilderness and now you treat us like your subjects? 
Like, anybody ever had this conversation with your kids, like, or maybe a friend of yours, like, they look back over a circumstance and they have a different view of actually what happened? <laughs> like, anybody, like, like, that's what's happening with Korah. Korah has the audacity to tell him, why did you take us away from this land with milk and honey? Moses is like, bro, y'all prayed for 400 years to get out of that mess, right? Like, it was slavery, 400 years, generation after generation prayed. Hey, Cora, in case you didn't remember, right before you were pulled out of Egypt, they came and said you didn't even get any resources to make the bricks you were having to make. Like, there was no milk and honey. It was all vinegar and horrible circumstances. It wasn't good. But somehow you remember something different than what it was. It's all because of his attitude. Write this down. You want to know this. Your attitude is your authority. Your attitude is the lens in which you see yourself and the world. Your attitude is the lens in which you look at things. Anybody ever had a good attitude, you, you, like had a bad attitude about something and it just makes you, you just can't seem to see the good in it no matter what because you got a bad attitude. Because of a bad attitude, Korah got, he, like, he forgot completely about praying to be delivered from Egypt. He's blaming Moses for being the answer to what he prayed for. He's now remembering a place of oppression as something that it wasn't, a land flowing with milk and honey. He's remembering something that's absolutely not what it was. He's mad at Moses for being the leader. A bad attitude gave him a bad outlook on reality. Literally, he had just... He, Korah was one of the hundreds of thousands that walked across the Red Sea on dry land. He had literally witnessed the hand of God in circumstances and situations. And yet in a moment, because of a bad attitude, he just couldn't seem to get, it, to get a good view. Anybody ever woke up on the wrong side of the bed and you're just grouchy and nothing's going to make you happy? And no matter what, no matter how hard anybody tries, uh, no matter how hard anybody tries to help you, to be nice to you, you just want to bite everybody's head off. Um, like, don't look at your husband or wife. It's okay. Um, like, we've been there. I've been there. And I've told my wife, listen, I just got a bad attitude. You're just going to have to let me get through it. I don't need your help. I just need to be left alone, right? Like, like, we all have that. A bad attitude completely changes your perspective over most situations. A bad attitude can change your perspective over a good situation, much less a one that's less good, one that you just don't seem to love about it. Like, he had an unhealthy outlook that resulted in his bad attitude. My son, my son has decided that he loves camping. Shepherd, he's seven. Um, and my daughter and my, my wife, they, they want to go camping. They're all into this camping thing. Except we have a complete different view of what camping is. <laughs> Completely different. Um, my idea of camping, if we're going to camp, I've got a really sweet tent. Like, it's awesome. It's a really good tent. Um, I think let's go out into the woods, let's pitch a tent, let's live off of the, the land, let's build a fire, let's, like, let's enjoy nature. That's nothing. None of them want to do that. They want to drag some sort of a hotel into the middle of the woods <laughs> with air conditioning and a toilet and some way to hook up the toilet into the, the sewer that's hundreds of miles away. And they, they want to somehow get a satellite signal into the camper, so that they cannot have to go outside into the wilderness and deal with the bugs and the stuff and the things. Like, they want to go camping, 
but they don't know what camping is, right? Like, that's a, a, that was Israel. We want to be delivered, but we got a different idea, God, of what deliverance is. We want you to, say, we want you to save us from this, but I don't want to go out. I don't want to be out in the bugs. I, I, still, need some, I still need some stuff. I, it looks different than what I thought it, was, it would be. And can I tell you, in any circumstance we find ourselves in, if you're like me, generally when things don't go as planned in your mind, I don't know if you're like me, maybe you're not at all, um, it, it can make you kind of grouchy. When you have an idea of what things should be and it's not, it leads to a bad attitude. Your attitude determines the lens in which you view things, and the lens in which you view things determine how you walk through every circumstance. So I want to share with you a couple of ways, real quick, a couple of ways, some ingredients to a healthy attitude. These are hard, okay? They're not easy. They're simple. They're not easy. Number one, you ready? When things aren't going good, when it didn't like you thought it should, you need to show gratitude. I know, y'all done deleted it right now. Erase, that's not even a good answer, right? Gratitude. Gratitude changes a lot of things. You know, it's why, it's one of the reasons, even if you go all the way into the New Testament, you can read in Philippians chapter 4, this idea, the peace of God that passes understanding that we talk about a lot. He says, hey, don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Tell him what you need. Hey, God, this ain't so good. I thought this was going to be a camping situation, not a tent situation, right? This isn't good. Tell him what you need, but thank him for all that he's done. In that, in that ingredient, it says the peace of God that passes understanding will begin to guard your heart and your mind. Can I, I don't know, can, can anybody relate to this? It's hard to be grateful when you're frustrated. Isn't it? Isn't it difficult to be grateful when things aren't going as planned? But it's an, it's an ingredient for a proper attitude. Be grateful. Be grateful. Number two, this one's even harder. Humility. Be humble. One of, his, one of Korah's biggest mistakes in this moment was he, is, is that he allowed pride to swell up in a moment of, of frustration. Are you like me in, way, in, in seasons when you're frustrated that it's hard to be frustrated and humble? It just is, isn't it? It's hard to be frustrated and humble. You know why? Because most of the time we're, when we're frustrated, we're convinced that our way is the only way. Most of the time in frustration, we're frustrated because everybody else is stupid and everybody just needs to listen to me. That's why we're frustrated. But in our frustration, it's important that we bring humility into it and recognize that my way may not be the only way. I love this one, number three. Even in my frustration, it's time, like this ingredient, when I begin to serve, with, when I begin to look with gratitude and, and allow my uh, humility to kind of take root, I begin to look around and serve people. Like servanthood is an ingredient. Can I tell you one of the best things for me in seasons when I'm confused and I'm frustrated and things aren't going quite like I thought they should? You know one of the best things for me is for me to look around and serve somebody else that's hurting. For me to look around and go, you know what? It's not all about me. 
It's not all about my circle. It's not all about my pain. It's not all about what's doing, what's going on in my life. When I can begin to take my eyes off of me and help somebody else around me, it changes my attitude. And, and, and y'all, I'm doing that from experience. Can I tell you that? It's, it's an experiential thing. It will change your attitude. Had Korah looked around the camp and said, instead of focusing on his own selfish ambition and just began to help people in the moment, help people in the circumstance, it probably would have shifted his attitude. This one's big. Number four, write this down. Big ingredient, honor. Honor. You need to honor everybody. It's hard It's hard when you're frustrated to be thankful. It's really hard when you're frustrated to be humble. Oh, man, it's difficult when you're frustrated to want to serve somebody. But I'm going to tell you, it's really hard to want to honor somebody when things aren't going your way. That's a high value in my life, honor. It is a really, really, really high value to the point to which if you've ever been in public with me somewhere or like if you're walking down a hallway with me somewhere and we encounter people that like we don't know, like I honor every person, every human that I've, and it makes my friends awkward. Like they're all like, why are you talking to people? You don't even know who they are. It's embarrassing. Like, but I treat them, I mean, I'm going to treat them like they're the president. I'm going to treat everybody like they are, like, like the person in the room. Why? Because I just believe in honor. I believe in loving people. Man, what better ingredient to make somebody's day, maybe, when they, you never know what people are walking through, right? It changes. Y'all know why I do that? Why does Brandon, you know why I do that? Because it changes my perspective. It helps me realize that everybody that I come in contact with, they got stuff going on too. They got things going on in their life. They're struggling relationally, too. They're struggling with some sort of ailment, too. There's something going on in their life that they didn't expect as well. And it's easy for us to get caught in our own circumstance, our own careers, our own marriages, our own relationships, our own circumstance, and forget that everybody else has stuff, too. But when I make it a point that I'm going to honor everybody up down, around, no matter what. I'm going to have a different perspective. My attitude, it's cliche. I know it, but it always determines my altitude. Your attitude determines the sphere, the the lens in which you view every circumstance around us. And Korah had a bad attitude, and it changed everything. His attitude caused him to see something that wasn't even real. And can I tell you, most of the time when we have a bad attitude... We're seeing things that aren't there. It's never really as bad as we think it, are, think it is. It's also really never as good as we think it is. There's somewhere in the middle most of the time that we can find ourselves, and that's where we're going to meet the power of God in every circumstance. What's your attitude look like? Number two, write this down, your allegiance. Your allegiance. Who am I aligned with? We see in number 16 that Korah, and they incited a rebellion against Moses along with 250 other leaders in the community. All prominent members of the assembly. They united against Moses and Aaron. And they said, now you've gone too far. All of a sudden, their allegiance had shifted. Ain't it crazy? As long as Moses was doing what they wanted in the moment, their allegiance was with him. But the minute he frustrated them, they were out. Like they, they didn't complain walking across the Red Sea on dry ground. They didn't complain when they gathering up their stuff, leaving Egypt in the moment. Right? They didn't complain as long as it was what they wanted in the moment. But the minute something shifted, their allegiance changed. 
Anybody ever heard of Pat Tillman? Pat Tillman was an NFL football player. And in 2001, amidst the September 11th attacks, he turned down a $3.6 million contract to play football in the NFL because he had a choice between personal gain or personal conviction. And his personal conviction outweighed his personal gain. He selflessly served the armed forces and, and he had a choice. Like, like Korah had a choice. He had a choice to stay, to keep his commitment to the Lord, right? But somehow he changed. He made an allegiance to himself and a personal gain. Here's the question. Where is my allegiance? Where is it? The Bible reminds us this way. Hey, y'all, the righteous... We walk by faith and not by sight. When I'm confused about where I am, it's important that as a, as a, as a follower of Jesus, sometimes i got to close my eyes and i got to keep on walking. God, I trust you in the midst of the circumstance. I don't care what it looks like around me. My allegiance is to you. I know you know more than I know. You have a higher view than I have. Your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are bigger than mine. You know more than me. You are omnipresent, past, present, and future. You are already where I don't even know where I'm going next. And I'm going to trust that you have everything under control. Come hell or high water, I am aligned with you. No matter what, if Korah had checked his attitude in the moment, I believe he would have known, you know what, he brought me out of Egypt, he walked us across the Red Sea, I don't really love this moment, but I'm going to trust that he's got it figured out. God knows more than I know. Where is your allegiance? Is it on fact or feeling? Is it on obedience or disobedience? Do I give or do I take? Come on, what does it look like in your life right now? You see, Korah had a situation going on, and he began to align himself with his emotions. He began to believe the lie that how he felt was absolute reality. And can I tell you something? Every decision I've made in my life based on how I feel, I can tell you from experience, it's almost always led to something detrimental. Because I've learned that we base our decisions based on, some, based on a truth, not on how we feel. You see, feelings are great indicators. They're horrible leaders. We've said this over and over and over again over the last 10 years as a church. Like, every decision you make on how you feel most of the time is going to lead you in a wrong direction. Because you don't feel like it is not a good example of what decisions you should make in your life. As a follower of Jesus, there has to be some level, there has to be some level of concrete that I can stand on. Something solid that can give me direction. It's why it says all scripture is God-breathed and useful to correct us when we're wrong, to show us what direction to go. Because sometimes our feelings will be opposite of what God is trying, where God is trying to take us. And we have to tell our feelings to take a back seat and hold on. Hold on to the direction God's taking us in. It doesn't always look like we think it needs to look. But aren't you glad that he can see further than we can see? Where am I aligned? Who am I aligned with? Last one I'll share with you today is your authority. Your authority. Number 16. I love this because, because they, thought, they thought that Moses had somehow tried to take over authority. They thought that it was Moses 
Moses reminded him, Hey, the Lord's the one you and your followers are really revolting against. Who's Aaron that you would be complaining about him? Who am I that you would be complaining about me? Remind yourself, Moses was like, I didn't even want this. Y'all know how many times Moses, well, you can read it in the, in the Bible. You can read it in, in the book of Numbers. How many times Moses went to God in the tabernacle and said, God, I didn't even want this job. Bunch of crazy people. Kill me now. Like he said those things. These guys are ludicrous. They think they're, in, they're out of their minds. I hit, rock, I hit a rock, water comes out of it. It's not enough. Cross the Red Sea, it's not enough. Like, I'm following, I'm doing what you said to do, God. And they think it's me. Moses reminded him, you're not even mad at me. Why, are you mad? Why, why do you think you're mad? You think I have the power to cross the Red Sea? I've got the power to do all of these things. Stop me. Can I tell you, I think far too many of us have placed authority in our lives on something beyond God. You think something else is the thing that can help you. It's why you're perpetually disappointed when government doesn't work out. It's why you're perpetually disappointed when the person you voted for turned out to be a fraud. When the person you thought was going to help you let you down. When your spouse fails you. When your kids mess up and, and, and you're mad and you can't get past it. Why? Because we've placed authority into something that doesn't have authority. And you're mad. And I want you to hear what Moses said. You're not mad at me. You're mad at God. Who are we? Who's your husband? That he could be an authority in your life to change those things. Who's your, who's your wife? Who's the government? Who's an educational system? Who, who are, who's entertainment industry? Like fill in the blank of all the people that have let us down. And we can be mad at when in reality, God is the authority. Let me give you a test and then we'll finish. Here's your question. Here's your ultimate authority test in your life. Write this down. Question you want to answer this week. Who is Jesus? Who's Jesus to you? Who is he? I love this one. What is the Bible to you? What is it really? What is sin? Come on, your answer to those questions are going to tell you who ultimately your real authority is in your life. And when you determine what that authority is, my inclination is that there's going to be many of us that need to repent and turn back to our final authority. Who is he? Who is he? I'm going to give you a hint. It's not a human breathing on this earth right now. It's not an organizational system. It's not a governmental system. It's not an educational system. It's not people in your life. They're going to let you down. They're not your authority. They're not your authority. Who are you trusting in your life? I'm going to pray for you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? You know, there's a certain amount of freedom that comes when I realize that when people let me down, their decisions don't determine the ultimate outcome. 
Now, it may, it may bring us in a direction in some way or another. But we serve a God who's past, present, and future, who loves you more than you could dream or imagine, who had a plan for you before anything ever happened. And there is nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, nor the purpose and plan that he already determined for your life. Maybe you're here today and all of it begins with who your ultimate real authority is. Maybe if you begin to answer those questions, you would recognize that, honestly, if I'm honest, it hadn't been God. My faith has been placed in something bigger or different than that. And today, here's what I want to do. I'm going to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. It begins with him, making him the final authority. You would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry I've been doing this in my own strength. I've been frustrated. I've been angry. I've been prideful. I've been arrogant. I recognize that I've been mad at the wrong things. And so, God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I confess you as my Savior. I believe with all of my heart that you died, came to this world, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, and three days later came back to life. From this day forward, you are Lord of my life. Father, I pray for my church today. God, so much hurt, so much tragedy, so many things going on in people's lives. God, help us to remind ourselves, you are in control. Check our attitudes, check our hearts, our allegiances. God, you are the final authority. God, we believe with all of our heart, you cause all things to work together for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. So God, I don't understand what's going on now, but I'm going to trust your hand. When I can't necessarily determine where you, what you're doing, I trust your plan. That you are in control and you work all things. And so God, that you would get all the honor and all the glory out of our lives. Use us for your glory this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate him today? Come on, he loves you.